Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast, where we let light shine out of darkness. With your host, Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist. Last episode, I interviewed Roxanne Kennedy. She is the author of the book Cutting Ties, which will be released in the next week or so. And we will put a link in the show notes on where you can purchase that. Roxanne has an amazing story. She was married for a number of years and then discovered her husband had a secret life with pornography addiction. And she confronted that and they worked through recovery. And there were some very intensive moments trying to work through that. And then ultimately, she needed to be done with the marriage because he did not choose recovery. And her healing journey moving forward is really the heart of this book. And it's a book to give hope to women in whatever stage of their recovery, whether they're working on their marriage or they have to leave their marriage. But the good news is, is that women can heal from the impact of betrayal. And so I'm thrilled to have Roxanne back on the show And specifically today, we are going to talk about more of the nuts and bolts of what to do, how to heal, and she's going to get a lot more specific about what she has been doing um, all these years in that. So welcome back, Roxanne. Thanks, Jeff. I'm glad to be back. So let's talk about um, a lot of people, a lot of women wonder, uh, especially when they're in the middle of, of the chaos or discovery is healing even possible? And I know you told me it was last time, but can you say again what you really feel about this in terms of now that you're on this side of things and you're, you're working on you know, years into recovery, what would you say to a woman who says, really, is this going to get better? <laughs> well, well, I'll say it is at first you feel super shattered and you don't think that anything is going to change. Uh, but as you take the tools that are available to you, as you continue on working on your healing, it's absolutely possible to be happy. And even though at the beginning, when I was going through it all, I guess those number of years when I was actually in it, I felt like I didn't know if if it was possible. And I would go to my counselor and at times we couldn't even work on anything from the past, anything moving forward. It was only to stabilize the panic that I was in at the moment. Right. So present-centered. So present. It was like, Mm -hmm. today, I feel like this. I cannot do this. I do not know what to do. I cannot manage. And we would piece those things together and work on those so I could leave feeling uh, calm and, okay, okay, I I, I can do this. I still didn't know exactly how, but I felt uh, more hopeful that I could. And then over time, we could piece all those things together and I could start healing. Right. And each one of those moments where you get your feet back under you, that's not just wasted time. Oh, no. That's the work. Right. Absolutely. That's the work. And as I went through, I would find that I would move two steps forward mm-hmm. and then I'd fall 10 steps back and I'd be back in old patterns, old behaviors. 10? I thought you were going to say three. <laughs> Never. <laughs> it's always 10 for all of us in all aspects, not even just this, uh, not even okay. just this. But, but what I learned was I kept thinking, how do I get here and why am I back here again and and all is lost and nothing's working. Mm-hmm. And then what I learned during those times is, no, I, I actually am moving forward. Those two steps don't go away. Yeah. They stay. So after I come back out of how did I get here in this backward spot, what do I need to do? I could just go right back up to those two forward steps and move two more forward. And I would keep falling back again. Of course, that's the nature of all of us. 
But then again, okay, I don't want to be back here again. This doesn't feel good. I don't feel in recovery or healing here. I feel worse. And so I'd get back up to those again, two forward spots and move again more forward. So it was, it's always, you're always progressing if you're doing the work and if you're trying to do your healing. Did you ever resent how much work it took for you to heal? Oh, absolutely. When I first started that, when I first started going to 12 step, I thought I am doing this for him. I thought, okay, I'm going to learn everything I can and I'm going to help him. And, and then I'm going to do this. And as I learn, oh, wait a minute, I have, I have to do this for me. This, it's actually my healing now. I felt a lot of resentment. This is unfair. I did not choose this. I did not do this. None of this is my fault. And I have to do so much work. But it does work. And what, what kind of resonated with me was I, I thought about uh, having my child, which my kids are teenagers now, but at the time when they're young, you know, having them at the park and another child they're playing and they hit your child on the head with a truck and your child's forehead you know blows up in a goose egg and it you know pops open it's bleeding and he's crying or and you go over to that child and you're trying to help them and then the mom brings the other child over and that little kid says I'm sorry and your child says it's okay and they go on their way and you never see them again, but you're still left with trying a, to- A goose egg and a traumatized kid. <laughs> exactly. And do we need stitches or what yeah. do we need? Hmm. And it's the same with this. And we've heard a lot in recovery in, in this world of addiction about betrayal trauma feeling like you were hit by a truck. We've yeah. heard that a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So if you actually were hit by a truck, for real, like in a car accident, you would- you, you would have to fix that regardless. You would never see that person again, even if it was their fault. But you would maybe have surgery, broken bones, a wheelchair, crutches, physical therapy for a couple years. It, it might take a long time before you actually feel normal again. And that's the same with this. This is emotional trauma. That's physical trauma. This is emotional trauma. And you have to do your own healing if you want to come out on the other side, otherwise you're going to have this dark cloud that just kind of hangs over you for until you choose it, choose to do it. Yeah. So the unfairness is normal. So if a woman is feeling resentful and bitter and struggling with how much work and, and all this that was dumped on her that she now has to sift through, mm-hmm. it's she's not doing it wrong. That's exactly how it feels. Of course it yeah. does. I and mean, that's the trauma part of it. And mm-hmm. that's that shock of what just happened and why do I all of a sudden have this new job? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, exactly. This this new, you know, thank you for all the extra work now I get to uh-huh. do in my life. And, yeah. and for you, obviously, that, you know, you're going to talk about uh, today and I know in your book about, you know, what, what you've learned from all that and the growth. But when you're in the middle of it, it's not that clear. And so like most things, the perspective usually comes later. And and that's really your message is like, hang in there, keep working. It gets better regardless of the outcome, you can heal. It really does. When you're in the middle, when I was in the middle of it, I couldn't see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I still had hope that it would be like that. I was still following the path and hearing the promptings and the answers from God or things I learned in recovery groups. Okay, okay, I'm going to keep trudging along. I'm going to keep doing this. But I still didn't know how it actually would make it right. How would it actually be okay? Uh, But Mm -hmm. I can say that on the other side of it, healing feels like freedom. It feels like happiness. It feels, I I couldn't go back now to before and not knowing. At times there, there would be times I'd be like, oh, I wish I would, this would never have happened. I don't wish that now. 
I love what I've learned. I loved how clear I am. I am so much more empathetic toward others. I understand people better, myself better. I, I live in truth, and I can teach my kids the same thing. And so it's better, and it feels free and happy. Right. I love that. And really, it's a message to these women who are struggling. The The message that I hear you saying over and over again is embrace it, do the work, stay with it. It may not be fair. It isn't fair. You didn't ask for any of this, but the work will help you. And you, you're going to become a better person out of this, and you're going to grow, and you're going to have freedom. And And I love that you keep using that word because that's the opposite of what women feel when they're betrayed. Right. They feel burdened. Mm-hmm. They feel trapped. Yeah. And the 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 work that is done releases them from that. Right. And just the other day someone asked me, "Do you really feel whole?" I want to know. Do you actually feel <laughs> really, Roxanne, whole? Really, uh-huh. Roxanne. Tell me right? the truth. Yeah. I really do. I yeah. feel whole. That doesn't mean there's not hard times or bad days. And mm-hmm. still there's times when I think, "How am I in this? You know, how did this happen? I didn't think I would be in this situation or be divorced, but I am. And it's okay. Yeah. And it's so disorienting, you Mm -hmm. know, when you're going through it. A lot of women feel like I'm doing it wrong because I feel so chaotic. Right. And I feel like I'm doing it wrong because I'm I'm hurting, I'm bitter, I'm confused. I'm not an angry person, but I feel anger all the time. I say swear words now. Yeah. You know, they a lot of women just are becoming someone they don't even recognize and they feel like there must be something wrong with them. But something wrong did happen Mm -hmm. for sure. But they're not necessarily doing it wrong if they're feeling these things. It's all no, part of it. Right. Yeah. No, you feel like you're doing it wrong. For me, it was because my answers weren't coming in the way I thought they would. And so then it feels like I'm doing it wrong because I'm not actually getting the result that I thought I was doing the work for. Mm. And so to learn for in myself of being able to accept what the outcome is regardless helped me in realizing no, I'm not doing it wrong. I'm just doing this path. And now I have to learn to be open to whatever that path, where it's taking me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So let me ask you another question. Mm -hmm. How did you keep the trauma from destroying you? Hmm. Well, I thought it would. It was, this was probably the most heartbreaking, heart shattering thing I've ever gone to. Being married to an addict, experiencing that kind of betrayal is which we've talked about, it, it felt like death. I, I didn't know how to survive. So I had to look at it and think, do I want someone else's choices to destroy me? How am I going to let what happened to me change me into a different person? And I, I didn't want that. I also looked at my kids and I thought, I really want to teach them that going through hard things Uh, that you can make it after going through them because everybody goes through things. And it's not going to look pretty. It was messy. It was super, super sad. Uh, We didn't always do well or do it right, but we did it. And we stayed in the truth of it all. And uh, it, it didn't mean that I wasn't living in trauma a lot of the times, especially right in the middle. I was, but I had to decide who I was fighting for. Was I fighting for me to survive Mm. this so that it didn't destroy me? Or was I going to fight in the fear, anger, resentment, uh, the depths, I guess, of despair? Where was I going to be fighting? In that swirl or up in the healing 
portion where is where the freedom is. And so that's what I decided to do. Wow, I love that. Because either way, it's going to be work. Oh, yeah. So you're saying, I, I guess I can just decide what kind of location I want to do that work in. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. That's essentially what... And choosing me, choosing mm-hmm. to heal me, what meant that there would be light at the end of the tunnel Yeah. versus if I chose into all the fear. Mm-hmm. That just stays. doesn't go away. Yeah, and I think, a lot of, I think a lot of women, understandably, are worried about the relationship. I mean, that's where the trauma is. It's relational trauma. And so they're worried about what's going to happen to it? What's my future going to look like? Am I going to be alone? Is everything I've worked so hard to keep build and, and hold together, is it just going to disappear? But I, I, in my experience, it doesn't really work very well to ask those questions and to do anything about those right off the gate, right after discovery. That, that's where you're saying you've got to get your feet under, you've got to get clarity and peace and, and see what the other person is going to do as well because that's a joint decision. And, and you can evaluate that much further in the process. Right. You don't want to make any decisions right when you find everything because you're not making those decisions out of a place of clarity. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's just too early. Mm-hmm. So how would you describe your own recovery? I know that's a big general <laughs> word we throw around a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think I know I talk to a lot of women who they want ideas. They want examples. They want to know what's, what's the path look like. And obviously it'll be different for every woman, but I think there's some guideposts. And I, I think you do a good job in the book of really trying to outline, you know, your story, but it's, it's clear that there are some, some key things that have to happen. So what, what would you describe as your recovery? Okay. So let me first take you, uh, what I was trying to even recover from, not the addiction part, but, uh, the chaos in myself. So that felt like madness. It felt like, um, we talk about a roller coaster sometimes. This is, you're so up and down, but mine felt more like, I mean, it did feel like that, but like a pinball machine all over the place. I was over here, then shot up over here, then down in the drain, then back up to hope and healing. It was all over the place, which I guess is like a roller coaster. Uh, As I was going through that, especially when his disclosure came out, which was his entire sexual history of anything that he had uh, done in addiction for his entire life. And so when I had found out the entire story of how far his addiction had gone and how dark it was and how painful and scary and um, just a world I was not at all familiar with, that put me into a new level of panic or trauma. And during that time, that put me in that place where I really had a hard time going out in public with him. I And even not with him. It didn't matter sometimes if he was with me or not. Uh, I couldn't go to movies. I could only listen to soft spiritual music, which I hadn't even listened to that very much before. I couldn't handle any extra chaos in my soul whatsoever. And to the point where when I was out in public, every man I saw, I hated. I thought, ew, they're the worst. They're, I'm sure they're an addict. I'm sure they're this. And I just had all this negative energy and feelings about people in general out in public. And so I had a lot to try and get through. So that's where my own recovery and healing kind of started for me in that. I thought it was because of addiction, but I had to learn to disengage from what he was going to do or what he wasn't going to do. Because at first I was tied to that. Okay, okay, he's doing good. He's clean. He's sober. Okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. But I really wasn't okay because I'd gone in public and clearly I had problems. 
And so I had to say, okay, it doesn't matter to me what he is doing or not doing. I need to figure this out for me. Mm-hmm. And so as I did the 12-step groups, as I attended counseling, I read a lot. So counseling for me was life-changing, which we've talked about. I I love it so much. Um, there, Not everybody has access to a counselor or maybe financially can afford one at the start. I, I hope they can. But if not, there are online resources. I read a lot of material to educate myself on addiction so that I can understand my side and his to uh, kind of have a better understanding. So as I did that, um, as I met friends in recovery, I I became friends with them outside of recovery so we could do things together. So I had people to lean on. That was imperative in my recovery to talk to people that understood. We could share our stories. And one of the girls in my group, she's just amazing at being where you are when you, wherever you are, I guess. So Mm -hmm. if, if someone comes to the group and says, I'm, I've decided I'm not going to stay in the marriage anymore. She's like, okay, I'm with you. We're doing this. Like we support you. And if the next day she comes back and says, never mind, I decided to stay. She's like, okay, we support you. We're with you. That's great. And those are the people that I looked for. I looked for people who were healing themselves. And what does that look like to them? Because there's a lot of people in this situation and they're not healing. And you can see it. And they're more working their recovery in that place of fear, in that spot. And I just looked around and every group I was in on my own, Facebook online private groups of betrayal trauma women, I looked for the people who were actually choosing healing and modeled what they were doing. And when they would say something that was positive, and this is how I managed being out in public, okay, I can do that. And I started taking those tools into my life. And that's that's kind of how I got to that point. And now I can say that I can be anywhere. I can go on vacation. I can listen to all sorts of music. I can go to movies again. And that's where I was talking about that freedom. It feels like freedom when you choose recovery. Like you're not defined by the triggers anymore. Exactly. That was so traumatic and paralyzing. And I mean, to be just in a grocery store and all of a sudden have a trauma response and shaking and on the verge of tears and have to leave your car. So disruptive. And you just go back in your car and you're like, I can't even go shopping anymore. And you're just bawling your Mm. head off. It's, It's just so much. But you can get on the other side. You, you really can. So did that make up the bulk of, I mean, is that just kind of wash, rinse, repeat? Like that was your recovery, right? Mm-hmm. Challenging your own perceptions. Well, first you talked about recognizing what you could and couldn't do something about. Right. Right. And then challenging your own perceptions and reactions and taking personal accountability for how you see things, how you respond to things, reading, getting educated, validation, understanding the landscape personal counseling, 12-step, breaking out of isolation, connecting with other women who were healthy, doing their own work. I mean, this is the pattern for you. It is. And you're right. Like that, when you say that whole list, it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot. But you're saving your life. Yeah. So it's the same as if you were in the hospital having to save your life. Yeah. It's the same thing. You just have to do it. Right. It's that old saying, it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Right. You got to you gotta take charge of your healing because nobody else is going to do it for you. No. And I did not like that at first. I yeah. did not like that response when I heard that. Like, that, Well, that's completely unfair. The well, come on, dude. You huge. did this. Fix it, right? Exactly. And I kept thinking he could. I kept saying, yeah. if you just do this, it will fix me. And it doesn't. Yeah. I still have to fix me. That helps in the relationship with healing sure. if they do their work. For right. sure. You, you, they are, you know... 
you can learn to trust them again and oh, things like sure. that. So that's all part of Who it. Who wouldn't especially in a re- Yeah, especially <laughs> if, you're, if your marriage is going to be saved. Yeah, exactly. You need both of those things. But even if it's going to be saved, mm-hmm. you have to find you again. Oh, yeah. Because you get so gutted by this whole thing. And it's mm-hmm. it's time to really discover your voice again, get your bearings, get your feelers back, get everything back online. Because otherwise, you're just going to always be organizing around how well he's doing in that marriage. And that's not a good long-term strategy. No, because you're always on edge then. Mm-hmm. You're not actually living life free. Right. You're waiting. You're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And the same thing even with the addict themselves. They may choose into recovery and do all the work and all the healing. And if their spouse doesn't, then at some point they too will feel healed. They will feel forgiven and, and repented that, from what they need to with God. And they'll feel like they're moving forward. And if their spouse, who obviously has been betrayed and it's hard, if she is sitting in that place of fear forever, of course you are there for a while and there, he needs to have patience with that. But yeah. at some point, you also have to heal mm-hmm. you so that the relationship will work. It's not just his responsibility. I know we talked about this in the last episode, but I want to review this again. Who is this book for, Roxanne? Mm. So at first, I thought it was just for people like me. But as I sent out the drafts to people to, for people to read, and I sent it to all sorts of people, not just spouses of addicts, uh, the feedback and the response that I got was really interesting. Um one was an addict himself that read it, and he loved it, and he wanted all his people in his groups to read it, and he said that the insight that he got from listening to another person's story versus his personal story with his own wife uh, was validated, like it was insightful to see what the actions and inactions of addicts do to their families. And so that was kind of eye-opening for him. Okay. So he loved it. I also had a woman read it that has a son with mental illness. And when she called me, she said, I feel crazy at times. I do not know what this is. It's new for me just as addiction was new for me. So mental illness for her, she did not know how to do it, did not know how to cope with her son, didn't know what to do for him, how to help him. And she felt crazy and kind of miserable. And she said, I would just have these promptings to just go get the book. And she would open it and read it. And it was exactly what she needed. So she said she's using it for... Uh, managing her own crazy-making feelings, Mm -hmm. and then learning how to love her son with mental illness. Right, really for anybody who's dealing with powerlessness in a relationship. Right. Which is everyone. Yeah, (laughs) all of us. We can't control anybody. Oh, for sure. And so it's really about teaching, giving giving an example, one woman's example of how to navigate a situation where you really had everything stripped from you and how do you reclaim yourself and your healing and stay in the light. Yeah, and as I read it, uh, as I was putting it all together, all the mm-hmm. chapters together, and I'm rereading it now in my life versus before when I was writing it, when I was in the middle of all that addiction, uh, I learned stuff from it now. For I'm like, oh, this is exactly what I'm going through right now, and it has nothing to do with addiction. Right, right. That really, it's all the tools and healing. We all want healing. We all want happiness. We all have hope that it's there. And that's what's in the book. So it really is for everybody. And that's really what you want, I'm guessing, what you want people mm-hmm. to take from it. Oh, yeah. That's. I mean, if you were to say, here's this book, I want you to get what out of it? What would you say? I mean, right. What's the message? Uh, that this is their your own personal journey. Uh, that's one thing. That nobody can tell you what you should or should not be doing. That you have to figure that out for yourself with God. Um, that also that you can't tell anybody... You can't make somebody do some 
you can't make somebody do something that they don't want to do. It's impossible. We can beg and plead and ask and re-ask for your attitude. Choose you, choose themselves, choose recovery. But if they don't want to, you can't make them. Ah, right. right. So I had an experience with my kids. We had been fasting and praying for their dad and uh, really working hard at um, helping him to, like praying for the miracles to be seen and shown to him. And I had this impression to let them know that whatever happens, their faith and prayers are not going unheard. Mm-hmm. That all the work they're doing is changing them. It is supporting them. It's healing them. And even though their dad might not take the miracles that are being offered, they can choose to use this for their good and let let that help them in their own lives and in their future relationships that God is there, that he will help us, but we still have to make the decision ourselves. And that's the agency part. What a beautiful way to build resilience for yourself and your children. Right, I had I to have that. them know because yeah. that's a really hard thing when when their dad decided that he wasn't going to, you know, basically. I mean, we chose divorce, but remain with us that mm-hmm. it wasn't their fault and that they really did all they could do. Right, because you can't promise them a certain outcome, but you can promise them peace if they turn to the source, they turn to light. Yep. And and yeah, I love that exactly. That's beautiful. Right. So, where can people find the book? Okay, so right now the website is cuttingties.com, and there is a purchase button up. It will be available either at the end of the week or beginning of next week. And uh, that's on there. Uh, this podcast is also on there. They can listen to the this one, and then um, it'll be up on Amazon. So okay. just give it some time. I also have a Facebook page, R. Kennedy Cutting Ties, so you can follow things there as well as Instagram, which is cutting ties underscore book. And so can people find links to all the social media and everything on the Cutting Ties website? They can find the Facebook one right now. Okay. That one's on there at the moment. Okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I encourage you to go check that out and pick up a copy of the book and follow Roxanne on social media. You'll probably be speaking and doing other just events or things, right, to share yeah, the message. I, and hope, I hope to be able to share it. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much, Roxanne, for making time to be with us. And I really hope all of you have benefited from hearing from her. Uh, She's the real deal. Um, Everything she's saying, it feels true, right? You can feel it. And I wish you could sit across from her and have this conversation because she has a tremendous light about her. So thank you, Roxanne. Thanks so much. In the next episode of the Illuminate podcast, I'm going to have Vonna Davis from the organization Reach 10. Vonna Davis is the former director of the Utah Coalition Against Pornography. And she has since then started a nonprofit organization called Reach 10, which is an organization that helps young adults learn how to give presentations and talk and speak openly without shame about the issues of pornography, dating, uh, trauma, betrayal, all those really difficult topics. And she's done a wonderful job helping get information out and, and strengthening our young adults about these messages. So stay tuned for that. And thank you all for listening and supporting the Illuminate podcast.